before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer. <coughs> To thy precious bleeding side There are depths of love that I cannot know Till I cross the narrow sea There are heights of joy that I may not reach Till I rest in peace with thee Draw me nearer Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I appreciate so many of you praying for my brother this week and uh, he is uh, out of the danger area, and we're hoping he'll get to come home today from the hospital. Uh, for those of you that were not aware of that, uh, he was umpiring a baseball game earlier this week. He does that for some side work and was hit uh, in the head with the baseball. As his brother, I told him it knocked some sense into him, but um, he ended up with a blood clot on the brain and a brain bleed, and they had to rush him to the trauma center in Knoxville on Thursday and uh, kept him in ICU for a couple of days. But uh, through a lot of prayer, God has miraculously uh, caused everything to, to work out well, and the clot is gone, the brain bleed is not there. They did do a final MRI late yesterday, and we were waiting yet to hear the final outcome of that. Hopefully he'll get to come home from the hospital today. And um, But I uh, appreciate so many of you praying for him and just uh, to see God at work. And uh, our family has been rejoicing since yesterday uh, because of how amazing the, the, the difference was, the change was in him. And we know that it is because of uh, so many that were praying and for God just intervening in a way that the doctors could not. And I uh, appreciate so many of you praying for him. Lord willing, he'll get home today. And uh, we're thanking the Lord for that. Let's take our Bibles, if you will. Turn to Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter number 2. One of the great privileges that the Lord gives us in this side of heaven is to uh, have the wonderful privilege to hold in our hands His eternal Word. And not everybody on this world has that that opportunity. You and I have. And uh, another great privilege that He gives us is the responsibility to take this Word and to preach it rightly to those that need to hear it, to share the gospel with those that need to hear it. And one of the reasons, one of the purposes that we meet together, and one of the purposes that uh, we study God's Word is to equip God's people to go out of these doors into a world that needs to hear the gospel and to be able to share it and to share it rightly with them. And I hope and I pray that we are involved in doing that day in and day out, uh, that we make it a part of our lives. 
If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Can I tell you, uh, God sure loves you. Uh, He loved you so much that He was willing to die for your sin, something He did not have to do. He died for your sin as payment for your sin in your place. He was your substitute and came to this earth and died on the cross, was buried, rose again the third day, victorious over that death and that payment of sin. And that payment of sin was paid in full on that day at Calvary. And you have the opportunity. He gives it and offers it to you as a free gift. He doesn't charge you for it. He doesn't make you earn it. He gives it to you as a free gift. All He asks is that you put your faith and your trust in what He has done for you on Calvary as payment for sin and to trust Him to give you forgiveness of your sin and to give you a home in heaven for all of eternity. And He's promised us that He would. If we put our faith in Christ and we do not get to heaven, it's not because we have not done what we were supposed to do. It's because He has not done what He is supposed to do. And can I tell you this? That never happens. If he were ever to fail keeping his word, he would cease to be God. And you and I would be the first ones to know it, because we would cease to exist. God holds everything in his hand. Everything that is created is held together by his might and his power. And he gives us this wonderful gift of eternal life. And I hope and pray that every person sitting here today has had a moment in their life where they understood their sinful condition, that there was a payment for that sin, that there was nothing that you and I could do to pay for it, but that Christ paid it for us. And that if we will put our faith in Him and what He has done for us, that He will forgive us of our sin. And the Bible says that He will actually give us His righteousness. And we will be able to go to heaven, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. If you think you're going to earn your way to heaven by doing good works and good deeds, you're not going to get there. The Bible is very clear about that. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Over and over and over in Scripture it tells us, By the keeping of the law shall no flesh be justified. It is only by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not. Uh, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse 18, he says, He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The only way to get to heaven is by trusting Christ as your Savior. It's the only way. And I hope and pray that every person here has done that today. I would hate for someone to ever come to visit this church lost and not knowing they're on their way to heaven, and to leave here still not knowing they're on their way to heaven, or at least not knowing how to be saved. And so I hope and pray that you've done that day. If not, I would plead with you to do so. You and I have not the guarantee of another breath. We don't. Life is fragile. My family and I were talking about that this week. My brother, who has never really been the epitome of health, I always called him my pale and sickly brother. But I said that in jest because he was skinny and, you know, I'm not. He has hair and I don't. and uh, I give him a hard time, but healthy. Had a family, uh, four kids, three boys and a girl, and a wonderful wife serving the Lord. And things took a turn this week. And I mean like that. We came to a full realization life is fragile. It can be taken at any moment. 
in any number of circumstances. I've shared some of these thoughts with people before, and I've had people say, well, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. I said, do any of us ever? We don't sit and plan to die. We got up this morning. I doubt very few of us ever thought that today might be the last sunrise we ever see. We got up. We got dressed. We got our whole life in front of us, don't we? We still have years yet to live, don't we? Or do we? We have not the guarantee of another day. And folks, it is not worth risking eternity to delay trusting Christ. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Christ is not willing that any should perish. The Bible says that He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That we would understand our need for a Savior. And I want to encourage you, if you've not been saved today, to get that matter settled. That being said, the message is going to be primarily for those that have trusted Christ as their Savior today. And I want us to look at it very quickly as we come down to Ephesians chapter number 2. We'll begin reading in verse number... Uh, we're going to read from verse 1 down, read a rather good portion of Scripture. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we believe not yet, He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment and give a word of explanation here. Paul is expressing how that he, in his ministry, had been steadfast in persecutions and in trials, that uh, even in the face of uh, doctrinal error and those that were in disbelief, Paul remained faithful. And then he goes on to say this in verse number 14, "...of these things put them in remembrance." charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. So he said these, these persecutions, these trials, this idea of being steadfast in the face of false teaching, in the face of trials and persecutions, he said of these things put them in remembrance, charging them that before the Lord they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. 
who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so he's telling them, listen, be, be steadfast. Don't be overthrown by these folks that are denying the truth. Be steadfast. Make sure that you depart from iniquity. He's talking here to Christian people. He's talking specifically to Timothy. But he's teaching Timothy, you need to teach these things to those that are at Ephesus, which is where Timothy was ministering, that they be steadfast in living a life that is pleasing to God, that they are to study the Word of God, they are to know the Word of God, they are to be right on doctrine. They're not, to, they're not to involve themselves in those that would deny truth. And then he goes on to say this, verse number 20, and I want you to please notice, and the reason we read all of this before this is I want you to know what Paul is talking about when he gets to this principle of Scripture. In verse 20, he says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him of his will. And I want to look at this passage that talks about these types of vessels. There are four of them that are mentioned here in Scripture. And for many, many years growing up, I misunderstood what was being said here by the Apostle Paul. If you will, look with me in verse 20 again. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. For years, I used to think that this verse was saying that the gold and the silver vessels were honorable vessels and that the wood and the earthen vessels were dishonorable vessels. But that is not what Paul is saying in this. And in case some of you ever thought of this, I remember growing up, my mom and dad years ago took a trip over to Germany. Our church in Florida had had, uh, started, planted a church in uh, Heidelberg, Germany, just outside of the city of Heidelberg, Germany, for uh, for, uh, American military men. And on the 10th anniversary, I think it was, of that church, my mom and dad were flown over there to be there for the anniversary Sunday and to to preach. My dad was preaching there. And while they were in Germany, they took a a few days to tour. And they came back and they brought some hand-painted German bone china uh, set from Germany. And uh, my dad and mom had a, 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 a china cabinet in the dining room, as many ladies do. And when they took this stuff out, we were young kids, and I was a dentist, the menace kind of a kid. And they told me, they said, now, Greg, you cannot uh, touch this stuff. You can't, we don't even want you to look hard at it. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. This is special china. And they put it in this, this china cabinet. And when 
uh, when company came over, if it was if they were if they were loved enough by our family, mom would go into that china cabinet and she would pull these German dishes out. And boy, we felt we felt like we were privileged. We got to eat on the good china. You know what? And uh, I, I think you know it's amazing. We we use the good china to impress people that hardly ever come to see us. Uh, when you know you got a husband, ladies who works and labors every day to provide for the family, and you don't let him eat on the special china. Well, you do. We just call them paper plates, I guess. Um, but y'all understand what I mean. There are things even in our life that we set aside for a specific use. This is, this is to be used for a specific purpose. And these are, are vessels that are, that are honorable vessels. They have a special use. Now, I want us to look very carefully at what Paul says here. He says that in that great house, he says there are four kinds of vessels. Not only those that are of gold and of silver, but those that are of wood and earth. And here's the point and here's the principle. And don't miss it. Please don't miss it. It does not matter whether you are of gold or of silver or of wood or of earth. That is not the determination of whether something is honorable or not. God made you the way He made you. There are some people that have more talents than others. There are some that sparkle brighter than others. There are some that have more lowly lives than others. Where you were born and placed in life is not the determining factor of whether you are a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. No mention is made of the type of vessel being the measure of what was an honorable vessel or a dishonorable vessel. What it does say here is that there were those that were set aside to be meat. Look at it very carefully here. Let's look in verse number uh, 5. <clears throat> I believe it's in verse number 5. We'll see if it's there. If not, we'll keep reading until we find it here. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's, uh, it is back. It's verse number... Um, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and start from verse number 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and here it is, meet, M-E-E-T, for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So there are four types of vessels mentioned, gold, silver, earth, and wood, I think is, are the four that are given. And none of the types of vessels determine whether they are meat for the master. The word meat here means suitable. It's the same word uh, that uh, is used here by our King James translators when it talks about that God created Eve and she was to be an help meat for him. It's not help meat all one word. It's a help to Adam meat for him. Suitable, completing him, um, equipping him, providing that which was lacking. So that's the idea of meat. The idea of uh, it's suitable. It, it meets the need. It fills the purpose. Now, understand that this is the whole principle that Paul is speaking of here. He just told us that no man that warreth entangleth with the affairs of this world, entangleth himself with the affairs of this world, that he may please him with chosen him to be a soldier. He talks about the fact that we're to keep ourselves pure and unspotted. He talks about the fact that we're not to give ourselves to uh, these, these questions and uh, uh, gender strifes and to the subverting of hearers. And he says we're to follow after some things. And he says... Those that will keep themselves, those he says, verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, what's he speaking of here? These things that he was telling Timothy, don't, have a, don't let it be a part of your life. Let's go back and look at what they are. First of all, in verse number 14, 
he makes this statement. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit. He says, Timothy, you're, you're to purge yourself from this. Don't be striving about these words to no profit. You're not just supposed to sit up here and just debate people based on your logic, your philosophy. Come back to the Word of God. Come back to the sound doctrine and use that. What else did he tell him to shun from? Let's look in verse number 16. He says this, But shun profane and vain babblings, things that we say. Those things that would be profane, according to Scripture, those things that would be vain. There's no, there's no substance to them. They're empty. They're vain. They're hollow. There's no purpose. There's no use for them. There's no value to them. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. And then he tells them in verse number 19, right before he says this about the uh, vessels of honor and the vessels of dishonor, he says uh, in verse number 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ, what are the next three words? Depart from iniquity. So, so let me help you with something here. Lest you get the mindset that, boy, uh, that person in ministry, in that person's life, they were born with a spiritual silver spoon, so to speak, and God has just really blessed their life and blessed their ministry, they must be a real vessel of honor. Can I tell you this today? That is not what determines whether they're a vessel of honor or not. You can be just as honorable and just as neat for the Master's use if you're an earthen vessel too, a humble vessel. One that maybe doesn't have all of the things that this other person has. What determines their honorability? What determines their suitability for the Master to use them? He tells us in verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, departing from iniquity, shunning profane and vain babblings, not striving, uh, striving not about uh, words to, to no profit, if we shun these things, the Bible says he shall be a vessel unto honor, whether it's a gold vessel or a silver vessel, or a wood vessel or an earthen vessel. Any one of those four vessels that will purge themselves from these will be a vessel unto honor, unto every good work. And he says this in verse 22 as if to kind of reiterate what he's speaking of here. He says that they will be sanctified and meet for the Master's use, prepared unto what? Every good work. Flee also youthful us, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. He speaks very clearly that the determination of whether a vessel is honorable and suitable or meet for the master's use is if he will purge himself from those things of iniquity. And if he will cling to and pursue after, or the Bible uses this word in verse 22, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that are called the Lord. So I want to help you with something here. Because in my life, I've come across a lot of people who have said, 
Brother Greg, I can't do that kind of service for the Lord. I, I just, I, you don't know my life. I, you just don't understand that God has not given me those talents. God has not given me those opportunities. Can I tell you this? The thing that determines whether you are honorable and whether or not you are meat for the Master's use is all about whether we purge the iniquity from our life and follow after righteousness and faith and charity and peace. That is the measurement that Paul uses here. Some of you may say, well, I'm just a wooden vessel. I'm just an earthen vessel. What can God do with me? He can do an awful lot with you. But it's going to require there to be some holiness in our life, a cleansing of the vessel. To get to the place where we begin to say, I'm going to avoid these things. I'm going, to, I'm going to cast them off. I'm going to purge myself from the iniquity that's in my life. Now, we've just recently done a study on the issue of repentance. And lest we get the idea from this study on repentance that the cleanliness of a vessel, the sanctification of the life is not important. Scripture teaches us that it is vitally important. It is that which determines whether we are an honorable vessel and a vessel that is meat for the Master's use. So that's why we strive to live godly in Christ Jesus. That's why we strive to put away the sin of our life. That's, that's where, where we decide, I want the Holy Spirit to have free reign in my heart to bring conviction where it's needed and to guide me in righteousness and to guide me in truth and to open my eyes to the things that please God and to open my eyes to the things that do not please God so that I can become a vessel that is an honorable vessel and a vessel that can be meat for the Master's use. It's very, very important that we understand this because we're living in a day where more and more people say, it really doesn't matter how I live. Oh, it does. It matters greatly how you live. It matters greatly how you live whether or not God is able to use you the way that He longs to use you or not. Paul gives this measurement, and he says this, that the dishonorable vessel is one that strives about vain words, one that has profane language and profane things that they say. They're ones that increase more and more in the area of ungodliness, in fact, he goes on to say this, they eat as doth a canker. In fact, when I was in Florida a number of years ago, the crop that was down there that was one of the big economy boosters in Florida was, was orange groves. And I remember as a teenager that they came on the news and they said, we've got a problem with uh, uh, some of our orange groves. We have something called canker that has come in. And it was basically something that would rot the orange trees from the inside out. And they were trying to do all these things to protect it. And, and our, our citrus industry, even though it has recovered a little bit in recent years, it was decimated for numbers of years where they would come in and literally have to burn all of the orange groves down trying to eradicate this thing of a cancer. Why? Because it spreads so rapidly and so violently. The, on, the dishonorable vessel is the one that not only, not only embraces their iniquity, but is one that is responsible for, for spreading it. And the Bible talks about the fact that their word doth eat as doth, as doth a canker. It spreads so quickly. The dishonorable vessel is the one that does not depart from iniquity. 
They live in their sin. They're okay with their sin. They're the kind of people who say, well, I know uh, God says this, uh, but God knows my heart. He knows I'm just a sinner and I can't help myself. And they continue in their sin, making no effort to live a holy life or an un- a-, a godly life. Paul equates them that would do such things as a dishonorable vessel. These vessels are not suitable. They're not meat for the Master's use. Does He long to use them? Sure He does. Is He able to use them? Not when they're dishonorable like that. I believe very strongly that some of the tears that we will be shedding in heaven when God wipes them away from our eyes are going to be the tears of regret that we see all the things that God longed to do in our lives that we hindered Him from doing because we were not honorable vessels and because we were not meat for the Master's use. What does He consider to be honorable vessels? Does He give us some of that? Well, the Bible tells us some of that. Notice He starts by saying that the honorable vessel, He says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. What, what causes a vessel to be a vessel of honor? It is a vessel that has purged himself from these. From the iniquity. From the sin of their life. He goes on to say this as we go on down, uh, that in verse number uh, 21, if there, a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. And by the way, this is where sanctification comes in. You don't have to be sanctified before you get saved. When you get saved, sanctification begins. God begins to burden our hearts and bring conviction to our hearts regarding our sin. Why? Because we want to be a vessel of honor. I don't know about you, but I want to be used by the Lord. I don't want Him to look down and say, I want to do something, but I can't because of the way Greg's living. I don't want Him to do that. That would break my heart. Do I live perfect? No. And I know that there are times I grieve the Lord, and it breaks my heart when I do. And it ought to break your heart when you do. Notice what he says here. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the Master's use. And then I want you to notice this. And what's the next word here? And what? Verse number 21. Sanctified and meet for the Master's use. And what? Prepared unto every what? Good work. You're sitting there ready to be used by the Master. How did I get to there? I purged myself from my iniquity. And I allowed the Holy Spirit to do His sanctifying work. And it allowed me to become a vessel that was prepared unto every good work. You say, but Pastor, I'm not a golden vessel. I'm not a silver vessel. It doesn't matter. What matters is, have you purged yourself from these things? And have you allowed the Holy Spirit to do the sanctifying work in you so that you could be prepared for every good work? And then I want you to notice this. He says this in verse number 22, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord. Notice this, out of a what? Out of a what? Pure heart. A pure heart. The vessel that has purged himself from these, the vessel that has allowed the Holy Spirit to bring sanctifying work in their lives, is a vessel that is a pure vessel. 
They live righteous, but they don't just do it outwardly. They do it out of a heart that is pure. They flee youthful lust, but they don't just do it outwardly. They do it out of a heart that is pure. They don't just follow after faith and charity and peace with them that call on the Lord just because they're doing it outwardly. But Paul says that they've done all these things out of a pure heart. It is the fruit that has been born by a heart that is purified by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God and by the person saying, I'm going to purge myself from these iniquities. And Paul says, that's an honorable vessel. That's a vessel that the Master can use. It is now suitable. It is now meat. It is now proper. It is now fitting for the Master to use it. I want to encourage you as God's people here today to look at this passage the way that Paul intended it. He's not talking about vessels of gold and silver being honorable, vessels of wood and earth being dishonorable. He's talking about it does not matter where God has put you in life. All of us have the ability to be either an honorable vessel or a dishonorable vessel. It doesn't matter what kind of vessel you are as long as you're honorable and meet for the Master's use. The question to Christians that are here today is, are we diligent? Are we dedicated? Are we, have we given ourselves? Have we committed ourselves to pursuing godliness in our life? To pursuing a life of righteous living? To purging ourselves of the sin that the Holy Spirit brings to mind by way of conviction? To have a broken and a contrite spirit over those things? Have we been yielded to the Holy Spirit to allow Him to do that sanctifying work in us? Have we been able to be brought to a place where the fruit of our life is not an outward effort, but is simply fruit that is born out of a pure heart? Paul says there are vessels in the great house. Some are gold, some are silver. Some are wood, some are earthen. He says the thing that determines whether they're honorable or dishonorable is whether they are a clean vessel or not. Have they purged themselves from those iniquities? Have they lived godly out of a pure heart? I want to encourage us today. We're living in a world, folks, where there is so much emphasis put on conforming outwardly to a particular lifestyle. Even in our Christian circles. But the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. It is the fruit that is simply born from a life that is yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit in it. I fear sometimes that we make every human and fleshly effort to live godly and the heart is never addressed. The purifying effect 
that the Holy Spirit has. The idea that you and I will purge ourselves from these iniquities, that there will be a, a brokenness about our sin. That we would say, Lord, I want to be a vessel of honor. Wherever it is that you've put me in life, whatever position you've given me, whatever glory there is to this vessel, I want it to be honorable. And I want it to be meat for the Master's use. You could take a simple shepherd boy and you could make a king out of him. Lord, whatever it is that you want, I want my vessel to be honorable and I want it to be meat for the Master's use. Are we willing to do this? Are we willing to yield ourselves, our will, over to the Lord Jesus Christ to say, I'm going to purge myself from my iniquities. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do a sanctifying work in me so that I can have a pure heart and be an honorable vessel meet for the Master's use. Let's stand together with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. Guide and direct our steps. And Lord, the message has been a very simple one today and yet one that is so needed in the day that we live.